Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are surveying different interactive theorem provers right now. And so we talked about Agda, we talked about Calk a little bit. Those are the two that I personally know the best. Uh, then I attempted to talk about Isbo a little bit. I'm sorry, I was probably pretty much woefully inadequate. And it definitely goes to show, I mean, <laughs> um, these are complicated tools, and probably, probably a bunch of listeners have kind of like at least sort of dabbled or peeked into some of these a little bit and probably you know I'm sort of reliving your experience if you've done that because I mean looking at ones that I don't know that well it's it's not that easy to get into it's pretty complicated um, and today I want to talk briefly about lean lean is um, kind of the new kid on the block a little bit although um, <laughs> the block has been under development for a while I'm, I've been uh, between, well, between the pandemic and this and that kids and stuff i yeah i feel like oh it isn't that the new one yeah it's been around for a while now they're on lean four and the project is led by leonardo demira one of the best engineers and uh researchers in this kind of area in the world and he he did this um he was the main implementer of a z3 um satisfiability modulo theory solver which is where i think many people first learned of him but he shifted gears now from that to interactive theorem proving based on type theory. And uh, just like with Z3, he's created an amazing tool and has thought deeply about a lot of tricky issues in language design and engineering. So I'm definitely very impressed. So I want to talk a bit about Lean, um, what I've learned about it so far. I haven't actually tried using the tool, so I hope to talk about that in a second um, podcast, but I have read about it and... uh, I read a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. One was um, a master's thesis by Marco Carnero. And wow, what a master's thesis. If anybody knows Marco, please buy that man a beer or slap him on the back or something. This is incredible. It's a thesis called The the Type Theory of Lean, I believe is the title. And um, wow, I was really impressed. This, this is uh, very, very... Um, detailed, rich, thoughtful, and technically impressive analysis of the type theory of lean. And I mean, it's a, it's a weighty work here. I didn't wade through every last lemma of the 50 or so pages of it. But the thing that I was really curious about, which I'd heard about but hadn't really read much on for myself, was the axioms of lean, like what's kind of the core of the language. And so i, I Marco did a brilliant job explaining this, um, and, and some parts of the work are very technical, and probably, if you're kind of a newbie to type theory, this, this would probably be too much, um, but uh, it, for somebody a little bit more experienced, it, it was really well laid out and described, and I could get the information I wanted very easily from this, this really well-written document. Um, anyway, so he has a section where he explains what the axioms are. Um, there's a lot of nuances to the theory, but um, and he does a good job kind of drawing your attention to the fact that we have this feature and that feature that combine in careful ways. And um, But basically, if I may make a sort of crude summary, the type theory starts with the calculus of inductive constructions, um, which is the core theory of Koch as well. And so this is a type lambda calculus with dependent types um, and uh, also... Uh, built-in family of inductive data types. And I was loving it as somebody who has researched now for the past, 
uh, eight years or so, how to get inductive data types out of the core of one of these theories to get it out of the axiomatization. Yes, Marco, <laughs> there's some part there I forget where he says, he says something funny. He's like, um, okay, basically he's kind of like, thank God, let's have enough of that now after he's wading through. And he does say the most complex part of the axiomatization is in the definition of inductive data types because there's so many tedious syntactic details that have to be formalized and dealt with. Um, so anyway, so there's a theory of inductive data types. I, I would definitely, it would be a, yeah, take more serious study to try to compare it to the exact theory of inductive data types that's implemented in, say, CIC. I don't recall even seeing a claim if it's exactly the same, but suffice it to say that it's going to cover what, for most, you know, most mainstream users would would not be in danger of running off the edge of the, the family of inductive data types that are provided, um, of, of either clock or lean. Okay, but the thing that surprised me most, which I had not been aware of, um, was so anyway. So we have basically a a, a fairly standard, a quite recognizable core type theory that that is essentially you know modulo some important nuances and details is essentially the core same as the core theory of Koch, but there are three axioms. I think I'm remembering this right. There are three axioms that are added. Um, one of them is propositional extensionality. So this says, like, if you have two statements, each of which implies the other, so it's like an if and only if, then those statements are actually identified. They're considered equal in the theory. Um, this is not a terribly controversial axiom, and you could, uh, I mean, Koch will give you a full axiom of extension, of functional extensionality, which... Uh, Okay, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to make statements about what subsumes what. But anyway, propositional extensionality is nothing too exotic or alarming. It's an axiom, though. It's not derivable from the actual part of the language which, which makes sense under Curry-Howard. Like they, This core theory is a programming language. It's a language for constructive logic. Every proof you write is constructive, and that means it is essentially a program, and you can run those programs. This is the beauty of the Curry-Howard isomorphism, which we've talked about. Um, in the previous season, I believe it was, of this show, this podcast. Um, so uh, so anyway, the, these axioms are now falling outside the, the Curry-Howard, the fragment that we, for which they have a Curry-Howard um, correspondence. It means that these now are not programs. So if you had a program that used propositional extensionality some way, and it was running along, in principle, it could happen that it got stuck with like basically there's an axiom the an appeal to propositional extensionality is being somehow used in a place where the program needs to actually compute something and they, we just have an axiom it's just like having an undeclared kind of like having an undeclared variable in a program like say you just have some undeclared variable f and all of a sudden you just your program calls f on something well what would your compiler or interpreter do with that it just has to say uh you tried to call this undefined thing so we can't really do anything with that so these axioms, from a Curry-Howard perspective, all are in that category, which which is, you know, which really does change the flavor of the tool a bit, um, because now you you have this part of the language, and presumably it's a big part that you mostly are working in, that um, everything is executable. If you if you write a program in that language, you can be sure that it could actually run without running into any trouble. Um, but as soon as you start using these axioms, you now are in danger of 
writing programs that appeal to axioms and hence might get stuck when they run. I say might because it might happen that the, the axioms are only there to sort of, um, you know, they're only there to prove something and not actually being used computationally. That would be okay, perhaps. Um, okay, so anyway, propositional extensionality is one of them. The other ax the, another axiom is something about quotient types. Now, I have to say, I the axiom is pretty simple and stuff, but I actually didn't really get all of it. All I I'd heard this too that somehow that Lean has got an axiom for quotient types that makes quotient types um, work out better than they do in other theories where they're not axiomatized, but where somehow one is trying to derive some notion of a quotient type. What's a quotient type again? It's like I have a type and I want to identify elements of that type that are related by some relation. So I want to say if you know uh, elements A and B are related by some relation, then they will actually be um, equal in the quotient of the type by that relation. So you have a type, you quotient it by relation, you get a new type where now elements that are equal or related by the relation are now actually equal in the quotient type. Um, this is a powerful concept for mathematics, for formalization mathematics, and indeed Lean is making its biggest splash, I think it's fair to say, um, in formalizing mathematics. There's this library called MathLib, which is a Lean library that is apparently very actively developed and apparently is going quite far. Um, in math, at least relative to um, uh, other, you know, uh, interactive theorem provers. Not, I'm not saying all, because there are some other provers out there that, have, like Mizar in particular, is this rather old one from in Poland based on set theory, and it is rumored to have quite an extensive mathematics library. So I don't really know how MathLib might compare to the language, you know, to the library of Mizar. Um, but anyway, but compared to, I understand, you know, word on the street is it like kind of compared to Koch or Agda's formalizations of mathematics that, that Lean has gone a lot farther. Of course, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work you could do in trying to formalize mathematics um, up to even the 19th century, let alone the 20th century. So, um, okay, so anyway, so there's something about quotients. I'm really sorry I can't give you more details, but I just, I mean, it's, it, the no, high-level bits are that, you know, Somehow in the theory, they've added an axiom that helps make quotient types work better, more closer to the way mathematicians would expect. The final thing that's in, the final axiom is um, some kind of axiom of choice. Uh, and I'm a little embarrassed because this one I should be able to grok easily and report on. There's some kind of axiom of choice, that, that, but the, again, the high-level bits of this are it takes us completely out of the realm of the constructive. It's a very general choice operator that um, is not constructively realizable in general. So, um, so that was a big news to me. And actually, it makes sense because um, somewhere in some earlier episode, maybe my very first episode of the podcast, um, there was this um, British mathematician named Kevin Buzzard who was and perhaps is still making a splash kind of advocating for formalization of mathematics and theorem provers, so advocating to mathematicians, but also scolding theorem-proving researchers for the inadequacies of their tools for this purpose. Um, and I, I, I definitely appreciated that we have a, here a very, you know, a mathematician with very strong bona fides as a, you know, um, hardcore mathematician who actually is interested in using these kind of tools for math. I didn't really appreciate the kind of like finger-wagging and like 
<laughs> aspect of what he had to say. But um, anyway, part of his thing was that lean was the best right now for formalizing mathematics. And I've seen these debates online. They're a couple years old now, but you can still find them. Make for some entertaining reading. Um, him going back and forth with constructivists about, he's basically like, you constructivists are like living in some kind of bizarre fantasy corner of irrelevant math, that all relevant math um, practiced in anywhere, in any math department um, around the world is non-constructive. And so if you are a constructivist, you're, you know, you're just kind of like this sort of weird intellectual freak show curiosity, but you're not doing anything that would really be useful for anyone. And lean is not constructive. And so this kind of fits now when I saw that axiom, like, okay, well, that's, that kind of explains why part of why this mathematician was, was sold on lean being superior because lean has embraced non-constructive math. Um, so I think actually from what I'd read of Buzzard's comments, the thing that would set lean apart is that it has dependent types and it has non-constructivity. Because Isabel, which we talked about previously, I mean, hey, that has, um, that's not constructive either. That's based on a non-constructive higher order logic. But it doesn't have dependent types. Um, and he had claimed, this, guy, this person, Kevin Buzzard, that somehow dependent types were really, really important for formalizing a lot of modern mathematical concepts. That's fine. I defer, of course, to his expertise on that matter. Um, uh, so, but it did sort of surprise me because now we have a, sort of a little bit of a weird beast. It's partly a constructive type. Th it's a constructive type theory with powerful non-constructive axioms. And it made me a little un a little sad about this because, and I, I, I feel bad because I, I really respect and appreciate the work all these people are doing in advancing this field, but I feel like I'm kind of griping a lot in these episodes about things about these theories. And maybe that's because I, I care a lot about it and want to try to make it as good as I can myself. Um, it's not a sour grapes thing because my efforts in the area so far have been pretty modest. So I don't feel like my whole life's work is bound up in this and it's, no one's paying attention to it or some, some kind of sour grapes kind of thing. That's, that's not true for me right now at all, I can, I can safely say. Um, but still, um, I would, what I'd really like to have seen is some more careful separation of the non-constructive and constructive parts of the language. That would be great if we could somehow use the type system to keep track of which things do we have, have we proved non-constructively, and which things have we proved constructively, and kind of go from there. That's something I would like to talk about more in another episode. Um, today is the Iowa Type Theory bagel run, so I need to go out and get some bagels. Thanks a lot for listening. Drop me a line anytime. I hope you're well wherever you are. Uh, thanks for being patient with me as I've been kind of slow to get these out recently. Just partly getting in and picking up a new theorem prover is I don't know what I was thinking that that would somehow be easy. And I could pump out all these podcasts talking about it is like totally hopeless. I'm very slow because I have to try to get in and try to do some justice to these tools I'm going to talk about. All right. Take care.